Welcome to Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, a ridiculously awesome podcast bursting with insightful commentaries and intriguing conversations on the topics and issues that are on the minds of marketers, advertisers, social media, and PR professionals today. Hey everybody, this is Bob Cargill. This is Bob Cargill's Marketing Show, and I am coming to you from my home. On, on Friday, what is it, April 3rd, 2020, hunkered down the coronavirus crisis. Um, we are all living amid some very difficult days and, and, and COVID-19 is, is, is a terrible um, pandemic and, and we're all living through this. And, and first and foremost, I wanna say, I'm thinking of you, wherever you're watching or listening to this and, and Thoughts and prayers go out to everybody. These are very difficult days and, and health and, and well-being comes first and foremost. Um, but uh, if you don't mind me segueing to the, the, the reason um, I'm coming to you today is leveraging technology. Geez, if this pandemic hit 20 years ago, we wouldn't even be able to see each other or talk to each other except by phone and, and TV and radio maybe. But thanks to the internet, we're able to carry on business, not as usual, but as, as well as we can. And that's what I'm going to do for the next half hour or so um, for, for you guys who are listening and watching. And that is Carry Out Bob Cargill's Marketing Roadshow with my guest today, Wendy Pease. And I say Marketing Roadshow, that's my in-person event. This is the marketing show. This is the, the podcast, the video conversation. And again, for those of you watching on Instagram, Instagram Live, Wendy, thank you so much for joining me. You you reside in Sudbury. I think you you work often in Sudbury like I do, and, yep. and you're online a lot like yes. myself. So so people like you and me, it's not as much of an adjustment to go online like we're doing now. But thank you for being my guest today on Bob Carrier's Marketing Show. And and if you don't mind, tell my audience about yourself, your background, what you do, your your elevator pitch, if you will. Oh, sure. Well, I'm president of Rapport International, and we connect humans around the world by translating or interpreting your words into any language. So I've been the owner of Rapport International for 15 and a half years now. It was founded in 1987, and we focus completely on high-quality language services. So technology has been fantastic coming into the industry. I mean, Google Translate has opened a lot of doors for casual conversation, uh, but we really specialize in high-quality. Like if you're doing a website, if you're doing social media, if you're doing outreach, legal documents, anything in clinical trials or, you know, life sciences that have to be accurate and perfect. That's where we get involved. So I got into this because I love languages and cultures. I'm connected to people all over the world. Just this week, I talked to somebody from Bahrain, um, Luxembourg, um, Spain, uh, Italy. So, yeah, I know. The, the, you know, I love technology and what it's doing. And so running this business, I get to stay right in the midst of culture and language. It is so impressive and, and excuse the pun, but so foreign <laughs> to me. <laughs> what you do, meaning, meaning I, uh, it's, it's a little complicated to me to, to hear and, and complex. And I imagine um, me saying that is, is what you hear from, from 
your, your customers and clients, meaning that's why they need you because you provide yeah. a service that, that is valuable, invaluable. And, and, and I don't hear of many people or companies that do what you do. Am I right? Do you have not necessarily exclusive, but are, is it rare for companies like yours um, to, to be around? And, and are there many other companies like yours? And how do you compete with them? And, and what, what's your unique selling proposition, if you will? So when I first got involved 15 years ago in the industry, I'd go to networking events and people would say translation, which is written just to be clear and interpretation is spoken. So there's a clear delineation of those in the industry that few people don't know. Um, and people would say translation, where, who uses your services? Where would I need it? And then about five to 10 years ago, people um, started saying, oh, isn't Google Translate going to put you out of business? And then recently I've been hearing, well, do you do that kind of translation where you make it right for the culture and the people who are reading it? So to me, there's been a real education and more globalization of what's going on and the recognition for these services. Now, there are um, about 3,000 translation companies in the United States and a lot more internationally. But the reason you don't hear about them is most of them are an independent translator that just got too busy. And so they'd start a business where they'd pull their friends up to cover their background. So there's very few large translation companies out there. Um, and so we're, we're cresting up on one of the largest, but we're still a small company. Um, and I come from, you know, I have an MBA from Dartmouth, so I come from the background of running the business, plus I speak some Spanish, French, and Italian, although I don't do any of the language work. So for me, coming into this and just being passionate about the industry has been so much fun to be able to bring the technology in where it makes sense, but also focus on high-quality translation, and that's our differentiator. I mean, we have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so if anybody comes back with any issues at all, um, we will look at it and make sure they're happy with it. And usually what it is is somebody in their office um, has reviewed it, and they may have preferences of how you'd say something. Like, for example, dinner versus supper. In the United States, we use those interchangeably. Um, and sometimes they'll make it more colloquial, which is fine in the spoken language, but when you're writing something, you really have to have proper grammar. So then we'll come back and explain to the client, you know, why it should be kept a certain way. So, so impressive. And, and, and you, you said 3,000 companies like yours in the U.S., and maybe at first it sounds like a large number, but I, it, it, I think I may have been correct in that it's not necessarily that many companies who do what you do, if, if you think about it. Am I right? I mean... Yeah, there's not that many. There's not, I mean, and there's no household name because um, yeah. very few people can name one. Well, I um, can. <laughs> and, and more people hopefully after watching this and listening to this can and again i know you, you've been in business for 20 or so years right doing this over so. 30 well rapport international yeah. has been around over 30 years and i've been running it for 15 and a half unreal yeah so yeah. you guys are, what the heck you're doing 
Right. Yeah. The other thing is, is that there's so few companies that export in the United States. I mean, there's a huge market in two places. One is exporting. There's a lot of federal and state resources that help companies export to help with the balance of trade. And companies that do export are much more successful. They have, they pay higher wages. They have higher growth rates. Their revenues are higher and their margins are higher. So anybody who's really open to exploring that, you you know, I'm happy to share what resources are out there. Um, so let's, if you don't mind, get... Oh, wait, 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 wait. There was a, I knew there was a second point. The second point that I wanted to make before we get away from huge Absolutely. markets. Yes. You're sold? You'll listen to me? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, you got it. Yes. Okay. Now listen to this. This is amazing. The second largest Spanish-speaking market is in this country, is in the U.S., I believe that. Mexico <laughs> is the largest. Yep, We're bigger that. than Spain, Argentina, yeah. Peru, Colombia. Any of those markets, we have buy, bigger buying opportunities here. So wow. if you go, so for fun, particularly during the Olympics, I like doing this. I'll flip back and forth between uh, English TV and yes. Spanish TV. Yes, and you look yes. at all the major brands that are advertising on yep. there. I, so, I do know. Um, I flip channels a lot. When yeah. I wake up in the morning or, or, or at night, I watch some TV before I go to bed and I'll flip channels and, and there are, seems to be a lot of Spanish speaking channels, uh, yeah. TV channels. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm online a lot. <laughs> most of <laughs> yes. the hours of my, most of my waking hours and I see, I know how diverse this country is and, and, yeah. and, Listen, I want to. I was going to segue a little bit into specifically marketing or social media, because that's what I do. Yes. Related, uh, case studies, if you will. Do you work with ad agencies, and and how would a marketer, how would someone like me, for instance, I have a lot of clients who I do social media for or copywriting for. How would what you do possibly apply to what I do for my clients? So it can. In other words, I want to simplify this for the average viewer or listener. And I'm that average viewer or listener because this is fairly new to me. Okay. So we work with a lot of ad agencies, copywriters, web development firms, and printers. Because what happens is their clients will say, you know, we want to get this translated. So the creative person, like, you know, we'll use you as an example, Bob. You've got a client and they say, hey, Bob, I, I want to reach out to that Spanish speaking market in the US and I want to do it on social media. So we specialize in marketing translation in social media. So first, what we like to do is build a strategy around that. So first, we want to understand what your client wants to do. What's their strategic goal? Then we look at their marketing strategy. What's their plan for outreach? Where are they trying to go? What's their message? Who's their buyer persona? Then we develop a multilingual strategy to support that. So, you know, we're, we're pretending your client wants to reach out to Spanish speakers in the U.S., and they want to increase, you know, clicks. So you're going to develop a content calendar for them. We can take that content and we can convert that over to Spanish and either give that back to you or we can upload it um, to make sure that it's all done right. So that's the strategy. 
we look at the process because every client has a different process. Um, and, and, and some companies, some competitors of ours will say, this is, this is our process, you gotta fit into it. What we've done is we've really say, okay, we wanna understand how you're working now, what the problem areas are, streamline that process so we can st step in and make it smoother for what you already have going. Then we look at technology. So uh, machine translation like a Google Translate is not good enough for social media. There's all sorts of examples of that on our website. We send the tidbits out on the emails that you get, Bob. Um, but there is a translation called translation memory. So if you've got your marketing message, that's going to be a consistent message that you want to keep. And so you might reuse copy. We'll keep that in a memory so you keep your message consistent going out in other languages and you're not retranslating it all the time. And then the last thing, so we look at strategy, we look at process, we look at technology, and then we look at quality. So if you're doing marketing, um, social media outreach, we know the quality has to be good. There's some things like if you get an email and it's in a different language and you know what it says, sure, take it, pop it into to Google Translate. You'll get the gist if it's somebody saying, right. hey, send me your bank account, you're going to ignore it. But if it looks like a legitimate business thing, right. you might choose to respond. So in today's, what's going on in the world today, the pandemic, yeah. the coronavirus crisis, I imagine there are a lot of messages. Let's keep to talking about the United States and, and, and because we do have a good example, a, a large Spanish speaking population. I would imagine there are a lot of messages going out that are urgent, let's say sent by government officials and leaders, et cetera. Are they yeah. making sure that their messages are going out in different languages and would they possibly engage a company like yours during these times? Um, yes, and I'm worried, and maybe mm. those answers are backwards. So, think, yeah. yes, there are communications going out. I'll send you a link to the Massachusetts Department of Public Health who has translated information on their website that uh, people can use and share. I was very concerned about you know, it's hard to find for me as an English speaker on that website. So I've been trying to share it with a lot of manufacturers or people that I know have a lot of um, employees that don't speak English. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been, so I think people are translating the material. I'm worried about how it's getting out. Um, I did hear the city of Boston had um, a whole effort of people that were going out and giving brochures or printed information out to non-English speakers. Um, and I'm- I saw that, yes. Okay, so I, I am concerned about the, the, the information that's going out. But on the other hand, we were just talking about technology. So if people do have the internet or the Spanish-speaking TV at home, they'll be getting information that way too. They'll be able to search right. their language. So am I hearing if, if, if Governor Baker or Mayor Walsh or even President Trump, if they send out emails or tweets, uh, do those, those are not being sent out also in different languages? I, um, it's maybe I, I don't know. 
Yeah. I don't know. I know yeah. that the companies that we work for, we've been translating material for them to get out to their patients or yep. to their like stakeholders. We just did a video for a company that's internationally what wants to communicate with the population that they yep. service. So, so we like have, a nursing home facility or or healthcare facility or rehab facility may I'll make you know hypothetical want to communicate to its audience, you could hypothetically be engaged to make sure those messages are going out in the right variety of languages, correct? Yes, we've yeah. done translation. The other thing that we do is we work with a lot of hospitals and provide live in-person interpreters for, um, you know, it's typically ah, been surgeries yeah. and appointments. Yep. Yep. But right now we do have our interpreters going into hospitals to help with communications. And then we have virtual services. So we've seen an Ooh. uptick in, in uh, requests for telephone interpreting we can provide an interpreter for a Zoom meeting like this. And there's also video remote interpreting where if the um, patient and the doctor are in the room or the healthcare provider, yes. they can uh, over a HIPAA, you know, the, the a platform like this wouldn't be HIPAA compliant and secure, but we have video remote interpreting where if the two people are in the room and they bring the interpreter in from the platform. So yes. like we have different ways. Yeah, yeah tele, it's similar telehealth. to telehealth. Yeah. And if, if you know, the, if I, I have been in the hospital um, um, and recently, that, and I remember, not, not me as a patient, but just walking through the hospital, and I saw a sign where it says, if you need a translator, please dial this number, or please contact so-and-so, please yes. go to this desk. That could be a service you provide. That is a service we provide. Yeah. We provide yeah. that. Oh. Yeah, so, for a lot yeah. of medical facilities. I would imagine that the, the sky's the limit, uh, unlimited uh, uh, opportunities for you and, and companies to engage your services. And that's only going to increase as, as this world, certainly our country, becomes more diverse to reflect the world's population. Well, you know, the other interesting thing is people in the United States historically, like people our age, are all afraid of other languages and cultures. And so in exporting, why do I need to go there when I've got the United States? But you, you look at the Chinese market, you look at the economies overall are growing. So there's so much potential out there. Now, the millennials are coming along and they've traveled. Yeah. They've been in classes with people that speak different languages. They're on the internet. It's a very easy way for them to do business. So those businesses and those as they're coming into leadership positions, they're not afraid of different right. languages and cultures. So we actually are seeing an increase in international business. Fascinating. And prior to this whole epidemic, I, you know, I fully believe that we're so connected internationally just by the way people are traveling and business. And if you look at a car manufacturer, they've got parts that are made from all over the mm -hmm. place and then come and put together. This pandemic has blown me away with how much we're connected. I mean, I was already, uh, you know, preaching that song. But right. this, this is yep. shocking to me. Yep. No, that's what I said in the top of the conversation. People like you and me were used to be on a line, online with no boundaries, living in this virtual world. And, 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 you know, that's new to some people now. I think a civil lining, if you will, but certainly for people like you and me, we, we get it. We can continue. Yeah almost business as usual. And those who didn't understand technology 
and and look take a worldview if you will i think coming out of all this this world will be thinking more about technology and more about coming together as a world community not just you know by country or state but but globally we'll be thinking and working hopefully more collaboratively yes um, i'm gonna ask you uh, i'm gonna change course a little bit if you don't mind um okay speaking looking globally or outside of our our our, our bubbles if you will wherever we work wherever we live um who gets it who what companies what brands it's a curveball we didn't go over um i mean i i, I did in, in in spirit of transparency send you a list of some of the questions i might ask you but i don't know if this is one that was on that list who do you think gets how to communicate in today's day and age with brands, with people, who do you follow for inspiration? Pretty open-ended, broad question. Feel free to go in any di direction with that. <laughs> could be locally, <laughs> could be nationally, could be, yeah. Any brand, any person? I mean, we translate for Staples and for Tomy that does all the toys and baby paraphernalia so it's thomas the tank engine disney characters pixar studios you know all the things that are sold at like a toys r us would sell um the take and toss line so that's what what um tomy does um you know then there's the whole contingent of education government which is legal and then medical that are mandated by law to provide in language communications so in any of those places um so take it if you don't mind a step further and and if you don't mind outside of the translation interpretation world in general what companies what which people do you think so like i say we're just talking generally what companies what who inspires you who, who do you think oh of, like who inspires me for global business or for marketing or in for, any way whatsoever that that you think uses technology communicates effectively it could be a government leader it could be a brand of business uh, yeah this is real open-ended i'm getting a little away from oh uh, okay topic. You know what, I have been spending a lot of time on LinkedIn and watching how people are successfully making relationships on there. And Jackie Hermes is one. I know that, yeah. You know, know Jackie, her. yeah. H-E-R-M-E-S, she's a marketing pro. And what she does on LinkedIn is educational. It's very personable. She develops relationships. So she's somebody that I really like to follow um that's what i mean yeah i'm looking for okay. just random who inspires wendy peas um you could name drop you can someone we all yeah. know someone we don't know i do see her on on linkedin i don't know if we're connected but i've seen her pop into my feed i have a feeling either i follow her or we are connected yeah yeah <laughs> i think she's yeah um dan tire he works for hubspot Okay. Um, he is uh, like kind of in charge of running their um, partner program education stuff. So he is always upbeat. He remembers everybody. He's so positive all the time. Um, he wrote a book um, about inbound um, that is is very helpful, and that's the whole inbound marketing is all HubSpot oh, yeah. and what they've they, done. 
HubSpot is is a company I always put at the top of my list when people ask me for you know modern companies that get marketing and, and they they pioneered so many things with regard to inbound marketing, social media. Their yeah. blog is absolutely fantastic. I've been reading oh, yeah. sharing yeah. their content for forever, it seems. Yeah. Um, hey, I'm gonna again I go in different one approaches. last one. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Marcus Sheridan. Okay. He's also real big on LinkedIn. His videos are informative and very entertaining. And he just wrote the book, um, You Ask, or They Ask, You Answer. And it's about the top five questions that uh, prospects want to know and how you answer those to keep them engaged. So uh, it's, a, it's a continuation of the inbound book. I'm taking notes. Um... Jackie, I am aware of Dan and Marcus, not so much. So I'm going to look them okay. up, and I hope yeah. anyone listening and watching looks them up and and tell them uh, Bob and and Wendy uh, sent you. Um, you you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you a few people because you, you you got me thinking because I didn't know where you'd go with that answer. But you named people. I'm going to name people. Um, Mark Schaefer, who's written a great book, Marketing Rebellion. I saw him speak. I was like in the front row last year seeing him speak in Boston. I follow him on social media. He is brilliant, amazing. Love Mark Schaefer. Seth Godin, you, you've probably heard of Seth Oh, Godin. I've heard of Seth Godin, yeah. I've followed some of his back. stuff. I'm gonna show you guys. Ask me how, well, how and why I have this, but look at, I, I like Seth so much. <laughs> I have a, a Seth Godin doll, <laughs> action hero. Seth Godin, I didn't plan to show that, but I knew I had it. You know what? Then I'll show you what I have on my <laughs> desk. <laughs> Love that. Show and tell. Uh huh. My well, Chinese hat. Love that. Uh huh. It's got okay. the braid on it, too. See, we can entertain. <laughs> you can continue to wear that if you'd like. And I could keep Seth in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't fit over my headset though. It's not comfortable. It's kind of falling off. I'd have to take my headset off and then I wouldn't hear you. <laughs> Seth Godin has written probably 20 or so books and you know, his famous one is Purple Cow, but but uh, you know, he's Oh, he's, yes, yes, yes. Yes. has been around for a long time talking about things that that you know, most a lot of people are just talking about today for the first time, not not me and you, but but he's been talking about those things for 20 years in, in marketing. There was one more person I want to mention is Chris Brogan. He's, he's uh, fairly local, uh, I believe lives in Massachusetts and he inspired the heck out of me with some of his books and, and speaking and he's fantastic on social media. Chris Brogan is phenomenal. Highly oh, good, good. Yeah, I'll look, have to look for him. His name's familiar too, but I can't. He to... is very approachable on social media. If you or anyone listening, watching, uh, reaches out to him, just say, Bob, Bob sent you. Um, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to talk about your website. And, and, you know, last night I knew we were going to be talking this morning. I've seen your website before, but last night I was going over it very closely. And you already mentioned something that I was really impressed with. You know, I'm a direct marketer by trade. I've been doing this copywriting and direct marketing um, before I get into social media, you know, back, you know, early eighties, I started and, a guarantee, a satisfaction guarantee is, is a fundamental marketing. Guarantee your products or services. Provide reassurance that you're going to do a great job. 
And, and to me, any business or service should be able to offer that because why else would we be in business if we didn't think we, we had the best products and services and wouldn't back them up with a guarantee? Not everybody does. You do. I'm so impressed to see that pop up on your, your website. What's the genesis of that and, and how does it work? I, I know no one's ever called you on it because <laughs> you, you, you deliver superior services. You know what? It's the focus on quality. And I can remember when I first bought the company for 15 years ago, and if somebody called up and they said, you know, oh, the translation wasn't good, my heart would just start beating and I'd be panicked and I'd be worried. And every time we dig into it, it's either a word preference like we talked about earlier, or it's, you know, something is is there or there's a misinterpretation. And so we've spent a lot of time figuring out, you know, suggestions on how to write global English, how to make sure you can check the quality because people feel like, oh, if I don't know how, if I don't know the language, I can't check the quality. So our focus has always been about high quality. And if that's what your focus is, um, then it's not, there's no problem to offer a hundred percent guarantee on it. I'm impressed. And, and the other thing I noticed on your website is something I've always wanted to know a little more about and, and should because I pride myself on being cutting edge. You're using chat by, by Drift. Um, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that and, and what your experience with that is and, and, and give them a little plug? Sure. Yeah. Drift is great. It was really easy to add in. Our, our website is built on HubSpot and so we could just integrate it in there. We just have live chat on there because we're not, we don't get enough volume on there to actually put a chat bot. We've thought about it before, but we, we come on in the morning and monitor it all day. Um, and it's just easy to use. So I highly recommend Drift. I need to look more into them. I hear them mentioned constantly. And again, noticed it on your website last night. I yeah. also been receiving your emails for quite some time and not just saying this because, because you're, you're a guest of mine. I am very, very impressed. And you, it looks like you put a lot of time into it. You personalize them. I feel like I'm talking to somebody who I know and in this case, I do know you, but how, what's the process behind those and how do they, I hear my dog barking in the front yard here. A mailman's driving. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me about your emails. What? How does that work for you? And, and what's your secret? Well, that was it was kind of interesting years ago when we started it because our goal was to put something very catchy on an email that you didn't have to open the email and you'd still get it and it would help you remember us or find us when you had a translation need come up. Well, then what happened is um, email got smarter. And if people didn't open your emails enough, then you started going off into the junk. So we had to change it a little bit to try to, you know, encourage people to open it to get the following. But there's so much to do with language and culture and mistranslations and funny words that we don't have in the United States. So we're always looking for stuff like that. So, you know, any, anybody who's listening, send them over to us because we like sharing them and we, also, we, we get fun comments back on on it. So I don't know if you got the one today. It was about touching your nose. You know, I did. I, it, yeah. it, I, honest, I didn't read it yet, 
It just came out right before we got on, so I'm not. The subject line got my attention, and I can't remember exactly. Said, "Don't touch your face." Yeah, that's what a great subject line. How can you not open that? Well, it was we we prepped this one before the whole coronavirus came out, and then we pulled it back because we were really like, oh, we don't want to talk about anything with touching the face because touching your nose can mean different things in different countries. So, for example, here in the United States, it, it can mean you got it on the nose. You're right. But touching your nose in, oh, my gosh, I can't even remember what it was. Let me give you an example, a different one, because I can't even remember what today's was. But putting something on the table, let's table that. Yeah. You know, in the United States, that means let's not talk about that now. But if you right. say let's table that in the UK, that means let's bring it to the table. Let's discuss it and hash it out right now. And I so bet you things, in, I'm, I'm trying to be funny, but in some country, maybe let's table that means to literally put something on the table. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But this, you know, I love that example because it's English to English. And so yes. there's such a different translation right there. So yeah, I was have, just, you know, I got to find out the nose one right now. You can while, while I'm talking and trying to. There we go. It. On the nose or you're right. You got that on the nose. Well, in Italy, it means watch out. And in the UK, it means you're being nosy. And then somebody emailed me back and said, you know, you play that game called nosies. Who's Don't taking out the game. trash? Nosies. Ha, you got to take out the trash because you didn't put your finger on your nose. <laughs> I just think of, um. Sometimes at the doctor's office, they ask you to touch your nose, don't they? I, I don't oh, yeah. That's a neurological. Yeah. 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 I hope the policeman's never asked you to touch your nose. No, that has never happened. <laughs> Good. <laughs> why, why would they do that? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I have no idea. Um, I can touch my nose even with my eyes closed, folks. See? <laughs> now, can you stand um, on one foot with your eyes closed? Well... We'll save that for the next time we, we talk. <laughs> Off topic. <laughs> yes. Listen, um, if you want questions, I'm going to wind down because I want to okay. keep it, uh, uh, yeah, on, 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 on time, if you will. I wanted to ask finally about video. I mean, we've covered everything yes. in terms of at least a lot. I, you have something called Global Minute Monday. I, I am yes. correct. Tell yes. viewers and, and listeners about your, your Global Minute Monday videos. So, I, as I mentioned, I've been uh, spending a lot of time on LinkedIn and making connections and actually making friends and some people that I can't wait to meet. They're all over the world. And so we decided to do a Global Minute Monday where I just get on and talk about something that is educational about global language or culture so you can learn from it. Um, and Friday, we do a Friday fun fact. So it's, you know, it's probably a little bit quicker, like the touch your nose one that you can read. So we've always got something going out on LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, I, or I email. <laughs> and, and what of all of your, what in your marketing repertoire do you find works best for you? If you don't mind sharing that, if you can share that. It's relationships. Say, it's building relationships. But, but. Let's say you couldn't do that in person. Of what's in your marketing arsenal, what is working best for you to start to engage with your audience? Building relationships on LinkedIn right now. There you go, LinkedIn. That's the number one thing yeah. that's working for us right now. A plug for LinkedIn, as well as Marcus yeah. Sheridan, 
Dan Tyre and, and Jackie Hermes. Yeah, and let me give another one for Vidyard. Um, yeah, I know Vidyard, yeah. Yeah, so I use that on, on email to send um, video messages to people. So and you okay. got to keep them short. You got to keep them 30, 45 seconds because people have short attention spans these days. Unlike this, our conversation today that's going maybe, uh, I, I wasn't keeping track of the time, but I think we're around, I'm guessing 30 to 45 minutes, somewhere in that range. Yeah, that's I think so too. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so that's around the range I like to, to keep my podcast. So, so I'm going to start winding down, Wendy. I, I want to end this show with with talking if you don't mind me getting back to what's going on in our world today we are you know weeks into i don't know how many days weeks into this um coronavirus crisis and it's very serious and even today um i'm president of the greater framingham running club and and one of our members his his mother um passed um due to the coronavirus um yeah very sadly oh, and i'm so sorry i know it, it's horrible and it's touching you know as the days go by more and more of us are seeing firsthand you know it could be friends um like my friend jerry's mother um so sad and sorry for the, him and his family and, and her loss um but we're going to see more and more of that sadly um and I wish everybody well and, and, and stay safe and, and stay healthy. But let me ask you, if you don't mind, how, so, so I'll share first, you know, it's me, my wife, my son, Ben, who's a junior at UMass. He's home here and our dog, Lucy, um, you know, I have my son, Scott, living with his girlfriend. They're staying safe. I have my stepchildren, Dave and Sophie. My mom lives nearby. I'm thinking of my brother and my sister. Um, you know, one's down in Florida, the other's in New York. Um, thinking of all of them during these difficult times. But let me ask you that question. Who, how are you doing during these days? Uh, what can you share about your personal situation and, and how is it affecting you personally and professionally? Well, I'm in the house with my two sons. One's a freshman at UNH and their semester has been canceled and that's been hard on him to come back. He's learning virtually, but he misses the social um, connections and the freedoms that he had at college. And then my other son is a sophomore in high school at LS, you know, here in Sudbury. Yeah, yes. And it's brutal. I mean, the, I feel so bad for the teens because this is a time where they really should be out socializing with mm. their friends. And so that's, that's been hard. I mean, we were I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, if this had happened to us when we were teens, we wouldn't have had all the technology to stay in touch with friends. So that's a, that's a blessing, but my heart just goes out to them. For me, I'm used to working at home. We've been a virtual company since I bought it. I mean, before there was the cloud, I used to have an extra computer in here that was, uh, you know, we used a service to, you know, it was log me in to dial into it. It was, it was slow, but it worked. Um, so we're all set up to continue, as you say, business as normal. So I've been able to keep working. I'm still in touch with all my staff. Um, I'm concerned about the interpreters that we do have going out. So I think we're going to send masks to them because what I've been mm -hmm. hearing is that the countries that where everybody is wearing a mask, that yeah. has helped slow the curve. Um, 
And so, and I, I just read that they're talking about making that mandatory for the U.S. Yes. It's making a suggestion that everybody wears masks. So I, in the evening after I get off the computer and make dinner and enjoy that with my kids, I've ended up sewing masks because the hospitals around here don't have enough masks. That's what you're doing? Yeah. That's yeah. a big deal. That is, you're sewing masks to, what will you do with those masks? Well, Janet Rappaport here in town is connected in with the nurses over at a couple of the hospitals and they don't have enough masks. They're telling them to use bandanas. So we've got material. One of the things that we've been slow on getting is elastic to put around the ears and to make the mask. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, she gives me cut material and I sit down at the sewing machine and just sew as many as I can at a time. Wendy, that is awesome. That is a, a good deed in a time of need, and I'm, I'm, I uh, salute you for doing that. Um, you know what? My hat goes off to all the healthcare providers. I mean, they are just heroes in my book because they're going in there on the front line and putting their lives in danger, and so it's such a little thing that I can do. No, I agree. I'm terrified. I have to go to the grocery store today, and, and I've been postponing and postponing that because I'm scared to go out. I We all should be and need to take precautions. My wife and I went to the grocery store last weekend and it, yeah, it was, so we didn't have masks, but I, I had one of those neck warmers that I put up over oh, my face. Oh, for you, yeah. Yeah, um, and we kept our distance, but it was still quite um, stressful and, and it's gonna get more stressful. And yeah, we, we now, I will say in our house, have four of those, um, the real deal, um, I'm not sure what you call them, but the mask, because my son Scott is in con, uh, construction and carpentry, and he had a few of them and, and gave us uh, one each for, for those of us in the house. We haven't worn them yet, but the next time I go to the store, if I have to, um, I'm certainly wearing that mask, as would my wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to end in, in with with... Again, we both, Wendy and I, anyone who's listening and watching, um, take good care of yourselves. Be, be safe, yeah. be healthy. We are thinking of you. And, and finally, Wendy, how can people reach you on Rapport International? Feel free to give out any contact information you would like at this time. <laughs> okay. Well, luckily my, uh, well, if you're on the, if you're, if you're on Instagram, you can't see it. So I'll tell you the website is Rapport. And what I was pointing at behind me is if I have a virtual screen on the, the yep. Zoom chat that we're doing, um, and that's the spelling of it. But our website is rapport, um, R-A-P-P-O-R-T, international, but the international is abbreviated, intl.com. So it's rapport, intl.com. I'm on LinkedIn. It's easy to find. Wendy Pease. And that's spelled P-E-A-S-E at Rapport International. My title is uh, translation expert. Or my email is Wendy Pease, all one word, at Rapport I-N-T-L. And I welcome anybody to outreach to talk about marketing or multilingual marketing or global outreach or the free resources for, for exporting um, or things that you can do now to to you know get yourself prepared for launching uh, when all this pandemic settles down so happy wendy, to help wendy thank you. You, you you're very helpful with all the information you share with us today and you're being so helpful to healthcare workers by making those masks during this pandemic i salute you again for doing that 
and, and thank you for being on Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. And thank you to anyone who is listening live on Instagram. I'm going to end that portion of the show in a minute. And I'm going to end the Zoom portion of the show in a minute or less and, and wind things down. And you can see the video on social media somewhere, YouTube, etc. You'll be watching this. I hope, and and I'll put the audio up on my podcast, Bob Cargill's Marketing Show. Thanks again, Wendy. Thank you. Really Stay safe. It. Stay safe. Be healthy, and and to everyone who's listening and watching, thank you. We will talk to you. See you again. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye, Wendy.